Hey, it's Brian Cook, your host here. Wanted to let you know we now have t-shirts. Would you like to support the podcast? Have you noticed that I can't get a sponsor because this show's too filthy? Hey, it'd be great if some people ordered shirts. They're great-looking shirts. Go to estoymerchandise.com, E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. You'll find competitive erotic fanfiction on the right-hand side. Click on that, and you can order shirts. There's men's and women's sizes. It's a great design by my buddy Mark Palm in Seattle. He does all of our amazing poster art. Uh, please support the podcast. It would help us out a ton. That's estoymerchandise.com. E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Bunch of upcoming dates. Some of these are stand-up, some of these are fanfic. August 16th, Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction at the Virgil in Los Angeles. August 20th and 21st, I'll be at the High Plains Comedy Festival in Denver. No fanfic, but it's an amazing festival. Come check it out. Uh, September 3rd, I'm headlining the Comedy Underground in Seattle. That is a stand-up show. Be there all weekend, uh, the 4th and the 5th, opening for somebody. September 9th, uh, doing competitive erotic fanfiction at Helium Comedy Club in Portland, Oregon, which is going to be amazing. September 27th, at the Tacoma Comedy Club in Tacoma, Washington. Also amazing. October 25th, back at Union Hall in Brooklyn. Always amazing. And uh, working on Philly and a makeup date for DC. Stay tuned. But today we got round two from a show recorded January 30th, 2015 at San Francisco Sketchfest featuring Jesse Elias, Andy Haynes, Matt Bronger, Dave Hill, and Harlan Williams. All reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions. First you hear them draw topics, then we'll fast forward into the future to hear the finished pieces. I apologize, the audio is a little weird on this, but damn is it a good show. Enjoy. And please give it up for your round two comics who will be writing based upon your suggestions this evening. Uh, Jesse Elias, Andy Haynes, Dave Hill, Matt Bronger, and Harlan Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Clap your hands all the way to the stage. Clap your hands all the way to the stage for these delightful people that are here for your enjoyment. we got Jesse, Mr. Dave Hill. All right, so there they all are. Look at this. It's a pretty good show, huh? Right? Let me tell you what, how this is going to work. Uh, we're going to start. We're going to start with Matt Bronger all the way over there in the end, Mr. Matt Bronger. Step up to the mic. Clap your hands for Matt. Hey. Hello, San Francisco. I'm going to draw one suggestion for Matt. If Matt likes it, he can take it and run with it. If he doesn't, I will draw a second suggestion. But then you will all get to vote on which one he has to write. Your first option is Kitty from Arrested Development. I'm going to, you know what, I, 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 I just, uh, let's make a deal, let's go, what's in the, uh, what's in the box? You're nothing if not a man of the people, Matt Bronger. Uh, your second option is Despicable Me. <laughs> Fuck. So, <laughs> leave it to you good people. Who wants to hear Kitty from Arrested Development? <laughs> Hair on, glasses off. Who wants to hear Despicable Me? Despicable Me, Matt Bronger. Clap your hands. Keep it going for Mr. Harlan Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Harlan. Harlan, your first option is Tiananmen Square. <laughs> the horrible massacre Tiananmen Square. 
Might have been horrible to you. <laughs> point, counterpoint. Would you like to uh, Yeah, let's take hear that? another one, man. Another? All right, we'll go with another. That is a blank card. I want that one. Uh, your second option is Evil Dead. So, who wants to hear Tiananmen Square? <laughs> who wants to hear Evil Dead? No, you don't. No, you don't. You want to hear Tiananmen Square. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Harlan Williams. Thank you, sir. Keep it going for Dave Hill. You can go. You can go right. Um, can't read that. Sorry. Oh, H.H. Holmes. Ooh. Someone in here is getting a marriage proposal tonight, and it's from me. H.H. Holmes was maybe America's first and definitely best mass murderer. I don't know if you're aware. Uh... Wikipedia.com. How do you feel about H.H. Holmes? I'll I'll take it. You definitely should take it. Dave Hill, H.H. Holmes. Keep it going for Jesse Elias. Hey. Ooh, I like this. The judges on The Voice. (laughs) I I don't know what that is. (laughs) Not surprised. Let's try again. All right. Your second option. That's not even a complete sentence. No, oh, it's my show. I do what I want. I forgot to tell you guys that part. Uh, what is this? That's a lot of words. I don't understand any of that. Everyone here is on drugs. Ooh, The Shining. That's a good one. So, who wants to hear the judges on The Voice? Who wants to hear The Shining? Okay. Made the right choice. Jesse Elias. And finally, Mr. Andy Haynes. Clap your hands. Andy. Hello. Hey, buddy. I want uh, Tiananmen Square. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't know how you worked the Big Lebowski into that, but it's your story. How do you feel about the Big Lebowski? Let's see what else okay. is in there. I, I don't mind it. Uh, Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Look, I need publicity for this podcast it's any like, way I can get it. I asked the universe for Tiananmen Square, and it gives me <laughs> Kim Jong-un. Like, All right. Close enough. Uh, who wants to hear the Big Lebowski? Kim Jong-un! Yes, let's get offensive. Andy Haynes, let him hear it. All your round two competitors will be beavering away, pun intended. And please give it up. So, any second, I'll have somebody ready to do round two. If you were not aware, this is a podcast. It's available every week on iTunes for free. It comes out on Saturdays. I record every show I do all over the country. And uh, also available on Nerdist.com. Check that out. And do I have somebody right there ready to do round two? God damn, I wish it would just work that well, but it never really does, does it? Who's ready, round two? Harlan's coming down. Ladies and gentlemen, clap your hands all the way to the stage for the lovely, the talented. In a minute, I'm going to run out of adjectives. Just keep clapping. The, the adept, the adroit, the handsome... The tall, the bespectacled, nope, not wearing glasses. The mustachioed, the jacketed, you're not clapping enough. Clap more for Harlan Williams, or he'll never come back to San Francisco. He told me that. We had a pinky swear. Harlan Williams. All right. I'm allowed to wear my reading glasses. Oh, bespectacled after all. <laughs> Prescient. Please care. My topic was um, Tiananmen Square. (laughs) 
I've never done this before, so here we go, gang. It was a cold, dark night in Tiananmen Square. How dare you. I'm going to start again. I didn't like that response. It was a cold, dark night in Tiananmen Square. In Mandarin, it's pronounced Cinnamon Square. I was in my tiny apartment that hung over Cinnamon Square. The radio playing Chinese fun fun songs. And my cigarette smoldered like Nelly Furtado's hair caught in a Pittsburgh blast furnace. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> my girlfriend lay naked, her firm body bathed in the yellow glow of a dinner number five moonlight. And when I say dinner number five, you know I mean chow mein, honey garlic spare ribs, and tender tasty jumbo shrimp. Quiet, please. Sadalal. Her buttocks rose from the sheets like Reese Witherspoon's forehead emerging through a clown curtain at a Norwegian circus. Her breasts were firm and round like fossilized jellyfish heads hanging in the Carly Simon Museum of Science. Her nipples were pointy and pink like two monkey clits <laughs> standing on end and waiting for a SARS angel to come and deliver them from evil. I wanted to make love to her, wake her up and press my lips all over her nakedness. I wanted to bend her over like a Nelly Furtado crab cake. <laughs> Is my shadow laughing? And ride her like a Nelly Furtado crab cake. Ride her until she understood the origins of the universe. I wanted to grasp her breasts like bubble-eyed goldfish eyes. I wanted to stare into her soul and let her feel the birth of a star, touch the edge of eternity. I wanted her to climax to the point where she cried, Aflac!
Or at the very least, I can't believe it's not Bara. But it was not to be. On this magical night, Cinnamon Square had other plans. Through the open window filtered the sound of metal tracks clacking across the back of the asphalt. The Red Army had an armada of tanks advancing across the square like a pair of Wolf Blitzer's underpants blowing across the parking lot of a newly erected Olive Garden parking lot. I stared out the window and watched the tanks roll into the square like large rectangular robots, like metal meat raviolis in search of some warm Chef Boyardee tomato sauce. I knew I had to leave my sleeping lover, walk to the approaching tanks and stop them in their tracks. I bent down and kissed her velvet abdomen. I threw on my Donna Summer Fellwear Tour bathrobe and left the room. <laughs> Sir, laughing too much? <laughs> Ruining my concentration. Please leave immediately. Now I stood in Cinnamon Square, the night breeze licking my balls the way baby giraffes did at the Buffalo Zoo when I was a little boy. (laughs) Maybe it was blind courage or perhaps pure lust that drove me to approach the tanks. Whatever the reason, I was alone, on the street, face to face with the Cinnamon Square tanks. I was fearless. All I could think about was making love to my mistress, wild and dangerous, Cirque du Soleil style, like Nelly Furtado in a jump house filled with epileptics in mid-seizure. I was foaming at the mouth like Cujo at an Arby's drive-thru. I raised my arms and halted the convoy of tanks, me, alone, halting the Chinese army. Everything went silent, to the point where one could have heard an octopus do a Pillsbury Doughboy fart. After what seemed an eternity, the top of the tank opened. A bewildered soldier stared down the length of the turret and said, what the fuck you doing here? <laughs> you go away, you go home, crazy frog. Why you stand in front of my tank? <laughs> With the lust of my lover burning in my eyes, like two suns hanging in a Star Wars sky, I open my mouth to speak. Uh, you got any condoms? The soldier tossed me a six-pack of communist-issue rubbers And I spent the rest of the night making love Like Skippy the Bush Kangaroo at an all-you-can-eat fart gobbler's buffet The end
I really tried. I really tried, ladies and gentlemen. More metaphors next time. Harlan Williams, ladies God and gentlemen. God bless America and Greenland. Mr. Matt Bronger, ladies and gentlemen, clap your hands. I had Despicable Me. Uh, Despicable Me is about a terrible man who finds love and humanity through three orphan girls. A Lex Luthor-like monster, hell-bent and ruling the world, who decides against his better nature to love. Love three orphan girls. <laughs> but I digress. It was Halloween, 2010. I had just gotten out of a relationship and taken a job at Walgreens. Uh, in October, bad call. My dick was already so raw and red it was sticky because I'd been beating the skin off it hard. See, I, I, I love cheap Halloween costumes. Uh, holy shit, the amount of times I jizzed against the inside of a plastic bib-like chest sheath featuring Iron Man or Spider-Man, and fuck, even Van Hesling, Helsing. <laughs> Fucked it up. There we go. Ugh, I love being a small dude. Yeah, I wore them myself, you fucking creeps. Jesus, it wasn't kids. I guess it dates back to my mom's friend. I was a kid. My, my folks went out one Halloween night and left me with her, and now, now she was a real uh, you-shook-me-all-night-long type, as my dad said once drunk. I just knew I was 15 and liked her eyes and some other stuff. I don't know. She, she, she took advantage of me, but as she did it, she called me Mola Ram, like my costume. <laughs> the bad guy from Temple of Doom. I mean, my folks drove all over town for that one, found it in a knockoff Walgreens called Ballsteins. Like, that's a place. Thanks again, Ballsteins. Anyway, I mean, when that 36-year-old woman had my 15-year-old face shoved in her ass. Something changed. <laughs> Halloween costumes, particularly the, the shitty ones with the tits and the balls. I, I wasn't gay or straight. I was hallosexual. <laughs> so then, here I was, a 38-year-old working at Walgreens. I, I didn't know any of the costumes by then. My, my life was hollow. I'd, I'd, uh, gone through a couple marriages. None of them uh, had any kind of sexual uh, advantage or, any, or anything. I just I could never tell any of them I couldn't achieve a boner without wearing a child's Halloween costume. But there I was. Sure. I was at, a, at the time, I had a hard, shiny, gunmetal blue boner. Yeah. I mean, we're talking cheap Halloween costumes. You don't have to be... To know Kathy Ireland's name, to know why you can never wear those jeans again because you jizzed them solid and stiff. It's just that fire, that look in her eyes. It's just, I'm the same way for a Darth Maul mask. Oh, fucking Jesus. Oh. One of the masks is strange, though. A, a round, bald head with a sharp, pointy nose. Like, like Curly from Three Stooges. It, but if he was, he was like smart or, or mean turned me on. And my new manager, Julie, she knew it. She looked at me and she knew who I was, much as I didn't want to admit it. She, she grabbed my crotch like a bear does a fish after closing. <laughs> Holy crap, it's closing time? I yelled out loud, you know, just to do the right thing and act like, uh-uh, yeah, this shouldn't happen. But she 
kept grabbing and kneading it like hard dough. She was aware. No one else knew who I was, felt me, saw me, saw who I was. I can't get an erection without wearing a Halloween cheapo costume in a grocery store, I yelled out. And my dick got longer than it ever had before. She calmly, softly put a mask on my face. I couldn't tell what it was. Then she calmly, slowly put the bald Gru mask. I I read off the, the, the side from the movie called Despicable Me on her face. It was the bald needle-nosed one I saw before. And she yanked my dick like she was uprooting a thick weed, hard, staring me in the face (laughs) through the mask. Angry, unforgiving, like an abyss and a waterfall and a Grand Canyon all at once. Ah! I screamed out, What am I? Who am I? She leaned in close, still jerking it, hard and fierce, knowing me, knowing every part of me. And I hated it, but I loved it at the same time, because this has been a long time coming. And she whispered, you're my minion. (laughs) I looked over for any kind of help I could find. There was none. Saw myself in the reflective glass. I saw my mask in the Walgreens window. Was faceless except for a pair of what looked like minor goggles. I was nothing. It was a cog in the machine. A minion. I was. I am a man turned on by cheap plastic Halloween costumes. Oh. Oh. What is despicable? Me. And I came like an exploded bag of mayonnaise. The end. Thank you. <laughs> Matt Bronger. That's right. Who's back there? Who's sneaking around? Dave Hill, are you ready? Mr. Dave Hill, clap your hands. I have H. 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 Holmes. Yeah, you sure do. America's favorite. (laughs) Okay. All right, here we go. It was a dark and stormy night. So dark and stormy, in fact, that a lot of people were just like, oh my God. It was nuts. Anyway, the year was 1892, and Peg Johnson and Janice Mitchell, two hot young super foxes with sweet you-know-whats, were passing through Chicago on their way to some other town when they grew weary and decided to find some place to stay for the night, and who knows, maybe even Les out. It wouldn't be the first time, and everyone knew it, 
which was awesome. <laughs> Look, it's the World's Fair Hotel. Maybe they have a room for us. After all, it does say hotel in the name, Peg said. Ha ha. I, I enjoy your humor, Peg, Janice Mitchell said. Let's go inside. Then they walked inside where H.H. H. Holmes, the guy who owned the place, who also happened to be a mass murderer, <laughs> sat behind the front desk, which did a great job of hiding the major boner he happened to be sporting at the time, because what the hell else did he have to do? <laughs> It was a slow night. May I help you? H.H. said. We'd like a room, please, the ladies said in unison. It was cool. <laughs> One room coming up, H.H. Holmes said while doing that thing where you pretend to be staring at something else but are actually staring at a chick's cans. <laughs> Oh, man, that sick fuck was so horny. <laughs> hey, wait a minute, Janice Mitchell said. You're that mass murderer guy, aren't you? <laughs> Guess who hates labels? H.H. <laughs> replied. <laughs> Me. Well, are you or aren't you a mass murderer, Peg said. As customers at this hotel, we have a right to know. I'll murder that pussy. H.H. <laughs> said. Excuse me? Peg said. Nothing, H.H. replied. Now, how many keys will you be needing? Oh, um, one is fine, Janice said. Oh, and when will cock be served? I'm sorry, what was that? H.H. said, I said, is there a continental breakfast? Janice, shut up. <laughs> Janice replied, yes, it's an all-you-can-eat sausage buffet. H.H. answered, I think you're really going to love it. Ha, 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 ha. H.H. was referring to his wang. But the ladies were tired and didn't pick up on his humorous joke. Say, ladies, H.H. Continued, continued, I was just getting ready to murder some people. I mean, go on break. And was wondering if I could buy you two a drink at the hotel bar. Peg and Janice were pumped and said yes, because they fucking love free drinks. Then H.H. Holmes made the two ladies Bloody Marys with real blood. <laughs> Holy shit. So, you never really answered our question. Are you the famous serial killer or not? Janice asked. Yes, yes, H.H. said. Are you happy now? Oh my God, that's so annoying. <laughs> you sick, sick fuck, Peg said. That's for me to know and for you to find out. Ha ha. H.H. said. 
So are we going to talk all night, or are we going to fuck, Jan suddenly said from out of nowhere. It was nuts. <laughs> Wait, you don't mind about the whole serial killer thing? HHS? Oh man, he was so horny. What has two thumbs and doesn't have hang-ups? Jana said before doing that thing where she point herself with her thumbs. Now show me your penis, you fucking nut job. H.A. couldn't believe it. Then he whipped out his dong, which by now was so hard he could have chopped wood with it or something. Probably. Then H.H. Holmes and the two chicks boned for like nine hours straight in the luxury suite, which H.H. Holmes gave them at a discounted rate. (laughs) He did cool shit like that all the time. (laughs) Anyway, the three of them ended up porking well into the following afternoon. And at one point, the two chicks took turns putting random objects in H.H.'s butt. And he didn't even give a fuck. (laughs) Oh, and there was also jizz everywhere. And it turned out that both the ladies were squirters, too. That is so cool, H.H. said the first time it happened. Just don't get it on the new wallpaper. Ha, ha. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Anyway, they were in love. So much, in fact, that he didn't even murder them. (laughs) Or did he? They were never seen again. No way. Thank you. Ability to find a healthy outlet for his aggression. He typed 
He went into the hallway and he used the restroom. When he opened the door, he walked in on two men in animal masks sucking each other's dicks. Can we have a little privacy, said the man dressed like a bear. Sorry, said Jack. Hey, wait a minute, who are you? We are the ghosts of rich, closeted gay men having a masked ball orgy, said the man in the live mask. To affirm their story, the ghosts took off their masks, and Jack saw the faces of J. Edgar Hoover and Steve Jobs staring back at him. Well, that's great, said Jack. Can you please leave? I need to take a piss. Why don't you do it in my mouth, said Jack. <laughs> that's gross, said Jack. I'm a ghost. It'll just go through my head and into the toilet. You won't even know the difference. <laughs> no, said Jack. Go away. All right, we'll go away, said Steve Jobs, grinning. As long as you agree to our terms and conditions. <laughs>
Jack couldn't see where his family had went. The freezing cold air was making his raging heart on a shrink, diminishing his source of madness and power. Suddenly he felt no longer felt the urge to kill or fuck anything. The only urge he felt now was the overwhelming need to urinate. That's right, he still had an arm pee-pee. <laughs> As Jack lay there, his blood congealing, his pulse slowing, he loosed a stream of warm urine and pissed in his pants. It was the last warmth he ever felt. In a few hours, he had frozen to death. His body had turned to ice, but a peaceful expression was forever frozen on his face. <laughs> Jesse Elias! <laughs> I guess it's our fifth death in Wester County Hall of Piano Square and AJ Trump. Your final competitor, Eddie Haynes, ladies and gentlemen. How is everybody? Good. Glad to hear. Um, so I found this letter from Kim Jong Un. It's weird that it's at this Italian social club. Uh, me, Kim Jong Un. What if I did a racist voice that whole time? I'm not going to do that. Racist. No, I'm not going to do it because you know I'm a white man that looks like a senator's nephew and. Um, All right. <laughs> they call a leader with no knowledge of his subjects an emperor with no clothes. It's something like that, whatever the American dogs say. It's not true, because right now I'm not wearing any clothes, and I know everything about the people. Thanks to a network of spies, surveillance, and misinformation, these poor peasants idiots think Bones is the greatest TV show ever made. <laughs> Mainly because I tell them it is, but also because they're stupid. As I write this, I stand naked, fully erect, looking out over a rainy Kim Song-il square. Pyongyang smolders in the background. I see this in the pile of dead child dancers reflected in the glass from behind me, and I am saddened. Not because of the pile of dead girls, I just jerked off all over them. Because honestly, it takes some pretty weird shit to make me come. But I'm saddened because no one really knows the real me. Sure, I'm a maniacal dictator, but that's not the real me. Nepotism brought me to this position, standing in front of all the naked... <laughs> what does that say? I don't even know what my words said. Oh, naked dead girls covered in my cum. I may or may not have stuck my finger in their butts. But that was just to see if their butts smell different. Anyways, I never wanted to be a supreme leader despot, a divine light of Stalinistic light. No, since I was a child, I always wanted to run a carnival where people could sit on my face and I'd guess their weight. Because yes, I, Kim Jong-un, love to eat pussy. Unlike the piece of shit propaganda film President Obama made to blaspheme me, the interview, I'm not the tyrant you would have you believe me to be. I'm kind and generous and I love to eat pussy. Love it. And probably because I'm good at it. Yes, I can make a woman come quicker than you can say Bim and Bob. <laughs> Which you don't hear a lot because there's not a lot of food up here. It's mainly just dogs, old people that failed to salute me and expired Lunchables. And yes, I am the man that fed his uncle to dogs at a dinner party. But like I said, it takes a lot of weird shit to make you come when you run a country. No, I'm not cruel. I love to pleasure women and 
maybe even fucked a few men back in my experimental college days. And by this, I mean the fucked men that we were experimenting on. And you know, not important experiments, things like what happens when you eat radioactive ham. <laughs> of course they died, but nevertheless, I fucked them. Let me really tell you this, a butthole is a butthole. They stink and they, they're fun to put your fingers, dicks, and tongues in. But I digress. I love to eat pussy, lots of them. One time I kidnapped an entire K-pop group and I ate their pussies for a whole week. Of course I let them go, but when I saw them running across the field of my country estate, I remembered the landmines. And I just don't, and I don't just like to pleasure, I don't just, why can't I read? And I don't just like to do the pleasuring myself. I like to see my comrades pleasuring each other. Sometimes I'll, make, I'll go up to the workers' camps and make them make the different patriots fuck. This is so much fun because you can make fuck, fuck couples out of the most bizarre combinations of people. An old man and a young girl, an old man and a young boy, an old man and an old man, especially if they're brothers. This is very fun. This is very fun because they are emaciated and unkempt. This one time I made a young soldier go down on this old woman and she had big floppy boobs and this big wiry bush and I laughed and laughed because I could only imagine how much her stinky, how much her pussy sang. <laughs> he barfed and barfed and I laughed but then I remembered the lady was harvesting plutonium and they both died from radiation poisoning. <laughs> but I knew they were both grateful from the twinkle in their eyes as they jerked off on their dead corpses. <laughs> Anyways, I don't mean to go on about my generosity. I just want you to know that I'm not the monster that Seth, that the Jew Seth Rogen portrayed in his shit film. I'm kind and generous and love to eat pussy. Be well and remember that. Now I'm going to probably have sex with some of the girls in that dead pile. Maybe one of them is pretending to be dead. And I can fuck them before I meet up with Dennis Rodman for dinner. That's it. That does it for round two. To hear round one from this show, you can go back and download episode 135. 
If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It's a big help as our positive comments. For more details, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or the show at CE Fanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com.